Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. It's Star Trek weekend in New York. Uh, they're celebrating the 50th anniversary with a Star Trek convention. What better time to release this conversation I just had Tuesday with IDW Sarah Gatos, the editor, and Mike Johnson, the writer of the Star Trek Kelvin Universe stories. They just wrapped up their initial run on the Kelvin Universe with Star Trek 59 and 60. Great stories, really fun story, not only involving the uh, Kelvin Universe crew of the Enterprise, but also the original series. I don't want to give anything away if you haven't had a chance to read these great issues. Um, good news, they're going to continue. The, you know, it's just a good point to uh, kind of uh, start off with a new number one, as comic book companies want to do. And uh, they've got in October the new series, Star Trek Boldly Go, which continues the adventures of the Kelvin Universe, the J.J. Abrams movie uh, team, and uh, Mike Johnson will continue to write that. We talk about that with Mike and Sarah. We also talk a bit about the history of uh, Star Trek comics, going back to the uh, years of Gold Key comics. I remember those, loved those as a kid, and find them fascinating as an adult, frankly. Um, IDW uh, not only is printing new Star Trek material, and by the way, excellent Star Trek material if you're not reading it, but also, you know, occasionally does release... Uh, reprints of the old stuff. I read uh, the Marvel years when they did, and I can't remember the name of the series, but it was the Captain Pike series. Unfortunately, canceled before they could finish the story. It was, I think it was only like 19 issues long, but got a couple full, you know, Captain Pike adventures in there, and number one and that original Enterprise crew. So that was kind of fun. And uh, also, they've been reprinting all the DC uh, movie specials and uh, various uh, graphic novels and some old runs and stuff. So uh, you really have to check out IDW's comics. And it's really cool to hear that uh, they, of course, are very warmly welcomed at uh, Star Trek conventions. We talked about that. We, uh, you know, they've recently been in Vegas for uh, the big celebration that happened just a couple weeks ago. And again, the celebration continues this weekend in New York. They're going to be at New York Comic Con as well, I think, uh, with a couple new announcements. But uh, we really touch on a lot. John Byrne, if you don't know, has been writing exceptional and drawing exceptional Star Trek comics. And even does a really fun thing uh, taking the photographs of the original series, manipulating them, and making new original series Star Trek adventures. Those are fantastic, and I, and I can't recommend them enough. So, really fun conversation with Sarah and Mike on this episode of Word Balloon, brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. I truly do appreciate it. Through Patreon, uh, If you, it, it's a choice. You don't have to subscribe to Word Balloon. It's free. But if you want to help out the cause and help me get to various conventions and the like, uh, you can do that by going to wordballoon.com, clicking on the Patreon ad, the ad there on the front page, or going to patreon.com slash wordballoon. If you can spare a buck a month, if you think uh, the hours of uh, conversation that I present here on Word Balloon are, are worth something, you know, I mean, think about it, the price of a comic book hopefully, you know, gives you about 15 minutes of entertainment. Well, I, I try to do, you know, at least 8 to 12 hours of uh, Word Balloon conversation each month. And, uh, you know, I, I think it help, uh, adds to the comic book enjoyment experience. I hope you feel the same way. But uh, the League of Word Balloon listeners whose uh, ranks continue to expand each month, I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much for the support. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are great deals happening at InStock Trades, and I thought I would check specifically on uh, some of the Star Trek product that Mike Johnson has written over the years. And good news, uh, can't be denied, there's, there's some really great stuff. 
Uh, there's Star Trek Countdown, which was the prequel to the J.J. Abrams event. Kind of explains what happened with uh, the bad guy Nero, the Romulans, and Mr. Spock leading up to uh, the new adventures in the alternate universe. Countdown is 30% off. It's just $12.59. You can get Star Trek Con, which uh, uh, goes through the origin of uh, you know the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch version of Khan. He's no Montalban, but he is the the Cumberbatch, and I think he's a pretty cool dude. Check that out. Uh, it is thirty uh, percent off, and it's just thirteen dollars and ninety nine cents. They also have every volume of Star Trek ongoing. That's that's what they call the Kelvin Universe coverage that that Mike writes with uh, various artists. But uh, we're talking about uh, trades from uh, volume one through at least I believe volume eight. And uh, they range in price from uh, $12.59 to $13.99. That's some of the great stuff you can find Star Trek-wise with Mike Johnson's name on it. How about John Byrne? I'm going to put John Byrne in and see what we come up with. Hang on one second here. We've got the uh, John Byrne Star Trek Collection trade paperback that includes spotlight uh, uh, issues on Romulans, Assignment Earth, uh, Balance of Terror, The Hollow Crown, uh, Leonard McCoy, Frontier Doctor, one of my favorite miniseries that they did. That is uh, 30% off, $12, or pardon me, $24.49. You can also get the hardback edition of that for $34.99. So uh, just, to, oh wait, here we go. Star Trek New Visions. You can get volumes two and three. Those are those uh, photo comic uh, things where uh, Byrne takes the photographs from the original series and creates absolutely new Star Trek stories. They're fantastic, really. Uh, I, I can't recommend them enough because uh, it really is the original series. It's, it's, you know, it's the photographs. It's, it's the crew. It's Kirk. It's, it's Shatner. It's Nimoy in completely new stories conceived by John Byrne. He is obviously a massive Star Trek fan. In fact, he's at this New York convention this weekend. Uh, these books are 30% off, and they're each uh, $13.99 for Volumes 2 and Volume 3. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't read Volume 1 or not, because each story is self-contained. Great stuff from IDW, Star Trek, and uh, a good deal at InStockTrade.com. Uh, check it out for yourself at InStockTrades.com. Okay, um, two things. First, I want to tell you, next weekend, uh, the weekend of September 11th, the 9th through the 11th, I will be at Cincy Comic Con. Uh, Tony and Kara Moore's excellent show. I'm always happy to come back and uh, do uh, panels and hang out. But, uh, man, I cannot wait. It's going to be fantastic. A great slate of uh, not only uh, great ca- uh, creators like Mark Wade, Brian Azzarello. In fact, the entire 100 Bullets team is going to be there. Kate Leth is going to be there. Uh, the Revival team is going to be there. Mike Norton, Tim Seeley, Jenny Frizen. Go to uh, CincyComicCon.com and uh, check out the uh, lineup of everyone who's going to be there. But in addition to that, they've got a really fun art auction show. And I know that you've been to art auction shows at past conventions. Sometimes they can get a little dry if you're really not a serious art collector. Well, they're going to have a blast because uh, there's going to be music and uh, a a bar. And also uh, games are going to be played. Uh, People will be uh, winning uh, auction, uh, auction prizes uh, just through, you know, uh, getting a ticket to the auction and showing up. I mean, you can also bid on amazing original art. They've got incredible artists that are going to be there. 
Uh, I, I honestly, I cannot wait for uh, Cincy Comic Con, but it's going to be a lot of fun next weekend. So if you're in that Covington, Kentucky slash Cincinnati area, if it's within driving distance and you have no plans for next weekend, I'm telling you, it's it's a great con because it's comic book, uh, you know, uh, centric. There are, you know, there's Lego stuff there, but, and listen, there's nothing wrong with, you know, obviously TV and movie celebrities, everybody enjoys that, but if you really want a great, uh, nice, relaxing comic book convention where you've got space to walk around, you've got time to talk to the writers and artists, Marty Pasco's going to be there, can't wait for that, he and I are going to do a, a spotlight conversation, uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, I enjoy it every year. I have to miss great conventions like Dragon Con in Baltimore because of Cincy Comic Con. And I'm okay with that because they get a great slate, slate of guests. I get to uh, do a lot of panels, which I end up presenting here on Word Balloon. And uh, it's, it's just a really fun time. So uh, I hope you'll uh, join me out there for Cincy Comic Con. Uh, check it out and uh, go to the website, CincyComicCon.com, for all the information. All right, before we start our conversation with uh, Sarah and Mike, I have to confess that uh, we did this call uh, through a conference call, kind of three-way conversation. It isn't a full-fledged Skype call because I had a kind of time crunch, and they could only do it at a certain time, and uh, I was only available at a certain time. So they're on the phone lines, and uh, I wish it was a little bit better. You can understand them, and it's a a great conversation, but... um, it's not, you know, it's not a, I have to admit, it's not a, an A-list kind of uh, phone connection, but uh, they have great stories. I, I promise I will be happy to talk to them again because I think they're very interesting, and I truly love what IDW is doing with the Star Trek franchise. And uh, I, I've said that I've kind of had my, my certain problems with the Kelvin universe, and I even confessed them to Mike and Sarah. Um, you know what's great? Mike's comics, and I tell him this, and I mean it, um... Every, every problem I have with Zachary Quinto, and I, if you've been listening last month, we've done a lot of Word Balloon Star Trek podcasts, but uh, they seem to go away in the comics because uh, Mike, to me, portrays a much more clearer Vulcan sort of uh, Mr. Spock in the Kelvin universe than what we get in the movies. Mike actually has a very smart explanation of why we get some more extreme emotional Spock scenes in the films, and it, it actually made sense to me. So uh, he actually talked me down off the ledge when it comes to my frustrations with the Star Trek movies that we've been currently getting. But uh, tremendous conversation. Really happy to present it now. Sarah Gatos, Mike Johnson, and me talking about Star Trek comics on Word Balloon. Well, I'm happy to welcome Mike Johnson and Sarah Gatos to Word Balloon. They are uh, part of the Star Trek team at uh, IDW. Sarah, the fine editor, and Mike is really the top writer. Welcome, guys. Thanks a lot for coming on Word Balloon. Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much. Great to be here. My pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. I should ask you both, how did you how did you get your respective Star Trek jobs? Um, Sarah, let's start with you. Sure. So uh, I've been at IDW I don't know, a bit over three years now. Um, and when I came over, I, I was working at um, DC and Wildstorm before. Uh, in the interview process, they asked me if I was a Star Trek fan, and we talked about that for a bit. Um, Really taking over the book from Scott Dunbeer, who was editing before, was a bit of a dream come true. Um, and then life definitely got easier once Mike and I started to kind of get to know each other and work together. Um, Mike pretty much writes all the JJ, uh, the Kelvin Universe stuff, mm-hmm. and I'll let you or I'll let him tell you how he got involved. Uh, yeah, well, in a previous life, I was a uh 
a Hollywood name. I worked in film development, and uh, I was working for the writers, producers, Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi, who are the, uh, the writers and producers of the first two of the new Star Trek movies. And there was this idea that we would do a prequel comic book series. And I actually started writing comics uh, with their encouragement um, outside of my day job. And when the Star Trek opportunity came up, they said, you should do it. So uh, <laughs> that's, we started in 2000, uh, I think late 2008. Uh, or actually mid-2008, um, before the movie came out, we started working on a countdown miniseries. Uh-huh. That, and uh, pretty much been ever since then, working in, uh, working in the 23rd century. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great, man. And no, congratulations, because really, um, I, I've enjoyed a lot of the Kelvin Universe stories. I've enjoyed the spin on the five-year mission and the retelling of uh, some of the classic stories with, uh, with a Kelvin twist. Oh, cool! Thank you so much. It's been a real, real blast to do. And also, uh, the last two uh, issues that uh, you know kind of cap things off. Um, can you explain what's going on with that, Sarah? I know that there's a new series starting up, but uh, you know, I mean, was was there a reason to end it? The you know at at sixty. Yeah. Um, honestly, so sixty is obviously a nice round number. Um, and after the Beyond film came out, we just thought it might be a good time to kind of number one out um, to kind of remind people that maybe haven't been paying attention to the ongoing series that we're here um, we're doing really fun and exciting stuff and now is a great time to jump on um, so the new number one which comes out in October um, definitely kind of it, it's definitely not a reboot it's, it's not like the previous stories don't count or anything like that it's just kind of a nice um reinvigoration, maybe. Sure. <laughs> Is that the correct term of the title? Um, and it's a really nice opportunity that uh, beyond, you know, Mike and I really enjoyed the movie a lot, and so it gave us an act to kind of reflect where we where we were and kind of take it in a bit of a new direction um, with our very funny Chastine, who's been kind of our, our Trek guy for the past, oh, geez, how many issues now of the ongoing series? Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you were asking, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no. I okay. can't even. It, it's it's just so many issues at this point. He's such a great artist, and he we just he's our rock. I understand, and I and I would agree. I think uh, he does a great job. J.K. Woodward does a does an exceptional job as well. He's an old friend, and I and I've loved mm-hmm. the I love the times that he's uh, been able to do some of the special projects. Um, is there any? I, I you know it's interesting because I just heard Dayton Ward on the CBS official Star Trek podcast and they were talking about the novels and um, mm-hmm. the host asked if you know what he can do and what he can't do and he said really it was more interesting that CBS and Paramount would encourage him to go in certain directions and Mike and Sarah I, I wonder both and first Mike you answer um, what would you say the parameters are and is there any sort of where we'd like you to go in the direction of this those kinds of directions yeah, well, we've got great partners, John Van Sitters at CBS and Risa Kessler with Paramount, and, and together the four of us, and then Tony most recently and for the longest time, we've got this really tight group, and having worked together um, with this group for two years and even longer with uh, with John and Risa, I think there's a level of trust that's developed where um, they know I'm not going to 
do 20 things too out of the box, too, too out of sort of what works for Star Trek. Um, you know, there's just because something sci-fi doesn't mean it'll be a good Star Trek story. So mm-hmm. um, I think we've kind of together, and then when Sarah came on, yeah, we were really all in sync about what makes a good Star Trek story. So I propose stories, and they, they're they definitely not shy, and I'm glad about coming back and saying, oh, maybe tweak this or that. I think the biggest the sort of one rule that I try to stick to um, is that we try to stick to the original series concepts and characters um, unless there's a real explanation for or, or, or it makes for a really good story. Like, we were able to use Q um, because it made sense that Q would want to come and play around in this new timeline. And then uh, able to introduce DS9 characters that way because we weren't we were showing a version of DS9 characters. We weren't just telling a DS9 story. Um, so the idea is to keep it sort of POS-centric and let the other, um, I guess, eras of Star Trek, like TNG and DS9 Enterprise, for those main casts, let them, their stories be told in, in other areas and keep our comic book POS-centric, like the, like the movies themselves. Okay, and, and so... Have you done any non-Kelvin stories yet, Mike? I have not. I've, 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 uh, I'm really kind of the Kelvin uh, timeline guy at IDW, and Scott <laughs> and David Tipton are really the original timeline Got guys. it. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Sarah, you know, I mean, outside of, like, what you can't do, is there, you know, obviously, I, I think uh, not involving the Kelvin universe, the fact where things are left when Spock creates the wor- uh, the black hole that destroys uh, Romulus and everything, that seems like that's a great opportunity for the future. Is IDW able to tell stories, you know, from that st- standpoint beyond in the original universe? I would say that we're pretty much, you know, uh, pending approval. We're able to play in the sandbox where we want to. Um, okay. And in a way, that is really challenging because... Um, literally, I could try and talk them into canceling all other IDW books and let me just do, like, 50 Star Trek books. Um, <laughs> but that might that might be too many. Um, so what I try and do is kind of look at the Star Trek line as maybe going up to the top of maybe four issues a month. And, you know, what's, what's current in the um, market right now will be on just happened. We've got the 50th anniversary. Um crossovers are really hot right now um, and kind of look for a way to pick and choose the best material um, to kind of get the most bang for the buck. Um, and people ask me all the time, like, well, where's my Voyager ongoing series or where's my Enterprise mini? Um, and frankly, I, I would need to clone myself and the licensors and everyone to be able to do that. Um, so that's kind of how um, the series Waypoint came into being. Sure. Which is... Um, yeah, my, my anthology series that's coming out in September. Um, and obviously the, the Kelvin timeline is so well represented with the books that Mike is working on, including, you know, the ongoing of Bolt Go and Star Trek Green Lantern. So Waypoint is a place for us to do stories that are not Kelvin timeline at all. Um, so anything from a gold key tribute um, that uh, Dayton is actually writing for me right now, um, you know, all the way through to DS9, Enterprise, animated series, the whole thing. Um, so that's kind of a way to acknowledge some of the other Trek series 
um, and keep it fresh for everybody. Cool. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, to that to the new anthology series. I think that's great, and uh, it's a good opportunity. Yeah. You know, yeah, to to stretch out and appreciate all all Trek. Do you guys get in your uh, in L.A. Um, there's Me TV, and then it has a sister station called Heroes and Icons. I don't. Okay, well they um, they started actually just a couple months ago running all five Star Trek television series, and they do, okay. uh, and it's ridiculous, but it's great. And you know, yeah, it just kind of is. A, it's a nice new reappreciation. I mean, I've been be able to watch them on Netflix and stuff like that, but it's just kind of nice to know that it's on TV when you walk home. And yeah, it just kind of gave okay. me a a new reappreciation for Voyager and. You know, and Enterprise, because I think as as things kind of went on television wise, you know, it's kind of tough. I mean, my God, they produced over seven hundred hours of television. Kind of tough to to keep coming up with with fresh ideas within a certain template. And and Mike, I don't know from a Kelvin standpoint, and, and sixty issues in plus Star Trek countdown and some of these other Kelvin tie ins and crossovers like the Green Lantern series. I mean, you know, yeah, are you are you still bursting with stories? Yeah, there's still stuff. There's there's things I really want to get into and to sort of. The train is, is going and you're laying track to just get the monthly book out but you know I'd love to do more with kind of the lower decks view of what it's like <laughs> to serve uh, it's a story about that and, and different sort of um, kind of sci-fi concepts that we can play with in the Trek realm uh, we've been lucky in, the, in having in the Kelvin timeline because we are able to just to, to not only tell new stories but also have fun Reimagining how old episodes might play out. Mm-hmm. So there's there's other uh, there's some other old episodes. I don't want to name them because I don't want to spoil anything. But <laughs> there's a couple other old episodes I'd like to see uh, the Pine and Quinto crew interact with. So. Very cool. Uh, no, it's been it's been great. Yeah, that's great. You know, honestly. And maybe because I don't, you know, the actors aren't in my head when, even though I'm seeing them in the art. Um, when you write when you write a, a Kelvin universe story, it just it's it's I don't know it just it feels a little more genuine and I don't mean that as a slight to all the actors. The one problem that I and here's my nerd moment, but I I, I don't know how you feel in terms of writing it or Sarah you editing it, but I but I really the the choice and I understand that it's part of the story, but the choice to give Spock emotions in the Kelvin universe, I really think diminishes. The character in some ways. I didn't feel that way when I read your stories, but I have to say when I watch the films, he feels less like Spock because of that. And I know that there's, you know, different different circumstances and it's all laid out why he is he is different, and it's good that he is different. It just it's a Jason Todd Robin thing to me, if I can put it in comic book terms. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I hear you. I think part of that is obviously to uh uh, the movies are going to highlight the, the sort of key emotional points in all the character stories, sure, right? So sure. You're going to see them at those points. And I, def- I think it's, uh, to your point, I definitely do try to write him more Vulcan than he's appeared um, in the movies because it's, you know, the way the comic is sort of TV show version of it, it's day to day, here's what's happening on the ship. Sure. Whereas the movies are like, Oh my gosh! Here's the most dramatic thing that like we're not going to kill Kirk and bring him back in the comics. He's not right. That's a good point. Sure, absolutely. Um, so, so I think, and also for having for Quinto, having having Quinto giving him something to, to play. I, I won't say I was, I was attracted beyond 
Um, no, it's great, and I've been lucky. I was so excited about Beyond because, you know, I've, my writing is inspired by the performances of these actors that you get. So I've, been, I've seen the first and second movie in so many times, and I love the show, but to get a third movie, it's like, oh, you know, it's something reference for an artist, but it's for the writing, how the characters sound and speak, um, distinct from their original series counterparts. So, uh, I just, I'm can't wait for Beyond to come out on uh, video. Yeah, and I think they really <laughs> have kind of grown into their roles. Agreed. Too, almost like third into them. Um, so I, I really, really appreciated that point. Um, and then new characters like Bailey were just kind of a, a breath of fresh air. Um, so Mike, in in some ways, um, gets, is lucky because he gets, uh, you know, 20 pages a month while the, the movie people get, you know, like two hours every couple of years. Um, so Mike is able to really kind of dive down and tell some more personal stories, um, put them in kind of stranger situations, um, put them in, in areas where there's, you know, maybe not an easy answer, maybe things are a little bit more nuanced. Um, so I think that's why people, if they're fans of the movies or even if they have a passing interest in one of the, the Trek um, TV shows, should check out the comic because we get we get a special space in, in Star Trek to be able to tell these kind of more deeper stories every month. And you guys are getting ready to go to the uh, convention that's happening in New York this yep. Labor Day weekend. So how many how many Trek conventions have you guys done so far? Uh, I just did Vegas, um, which was about a month ago. Yeah. Um, and so then I'm going to this one, so that'll be two Trek conventions for this year, which is a lot for us. You know, Vegas is there every year. Um, but since this is the big 50th anniversary year, I'm really glad that we can also have a presence at New York. Um, we'll have a booth, we'll be doing signings, Mike will be there. Um, artist Derek Charm, who is our artist on the Wonderful Academy series, will be there. Terrific. And, uh, and of course, you know, some guy named John Byrne will be there too. Um, wow, I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yes. Wow. Yes. So he will be there. Um, Chris Ryle, my boss. Um, sure. Uh, John's editor will, will be there as well, um, and he'll be signing uh, his check works, and he'll also be on the panel. Okay, Mike, you're not going? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, we have a, uh, we have a special Star Trek Comics panel. Um, I believe it's Friday at 6.45 p.m. Oh, very yeah, cool. Big announcement uh, coming? Somehow. Sorry? Big announcement coming? Comic-wise? We'll be another stuff. Um, and also, it's it's a really nice time um, because it's the 50th anniversary, and basically Star Trek comics have been around almost since day one, and in some countries before the show even existed on TV. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about just the, the history of Trek comics. Oh, that's um, great. There's, yeah, there's so much of it, and it, it's a nice way to kind of honor that in this big anniversary year as well. That's fantastic. You know, I'm I'm sadly old enough to remember the Gold Key uh, Star Trek comics uh, oh, yeah. f- from the '70s, uh, and uh, so and I know they predate me, and I'm sure they were coming out even in the '60s. But my God, some of the some of the painted covers, and that was always the case with Gold Key, taking nothing away from the interiors. But my God, some of those painted things, the imagination really 
you know, just exploded beyond what they could do on television and, you know, in syndication back then. It, it was yeah, like that's the only book to the, it was close enough to the pulp sci-fi covers of the 50s at that point. Exactly. Like, that sort of spirit still pervaded those covers. I love that logo, that old logo. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And great, great writers, great comic book writers. I know Len Wein was, uh, like, I think, uh, getting started writing on comic, uh, uh, the Gold Key comics. Am I right, Sarah? That is right. He was. Uh, he actually talked a little bit about it at my panel um, at San Diego Comic Con, um, and just kind of talked about the history of it and how when he came on, um, you know, the people that were working on it, didn't, they knew Chuck, but they didn't maybe know it as deeply as he did. Mm-hmm. And the Italian artist, you know, this is you know, way before the internet, so literally <laughs> what he had available were some you know, like publicity headshots. Um, <laughs> so they were working from, from so little actual reference material that there's a lot of kind of weirdness in such of the early issues, like they're wearing backpacks and um, <laughs> they sell the Enterprise or like rockets, the just tire coming out of it. Um, those very kind of like sweet, interesting, weird elements um, are there, but there's also just some really great fun stories. So um, they're they're a real joy to look at. That's cool. How about how about the comic strips? Uh, did did you get a chance to really look at when they were? As I remember, they were like movie tie-ins to the original, the first film. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. So there's the UK strips. Oh, that's right. Um, which were, yeah, so the UK was one of the countries that got the strips before the show was even on the air. Um, so for a lot of people, their very first exposure to Star Trek was actually in comic books. Um, and we, IDW has a nice collection of those. Um, and then the daily uh, LA Times strips, um, that's just a massive amount of material. Um, and again, that, that was a lot closer, obviously, to being more official and mm-hmm. you know, I would say authentic to the show um, and yeah we have a nice collection of those as well so there's so much Star Trek comics out there in the world which is pretty cool that's fantastic I want to say Marty Pasco wrote uh, some of that comic strip stuff right? I think for the LA Times ones yes yeah you know and I think the LA Times in the, Trib- in the Chicago Tribune I think they had the same syndicator because I think that's how I got them being here in Chicago uh, no, that's really cool. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I no, honestly, guys, I, I think you do a great job with uh, with the franchise, and honestly, that's that is the great thing now because uh, again, the gold key, the gold key comics were kind of hit and miss, and they do they have they have a lot of charm because of that uh, lack of information, which then you know inspired imagination to take the story and the images in in ways that you know, weren't conventional to the television series. But, you know, now you really do get people like yourselves that are really immersed in the in the DNA of Star Trek and really can present it in a in a great way. So uh I you know, I, I think that's fantastic. What can you tell us about um what's coming in the Kelvin universe, Mike, without, you know, getting spoilery. Like you said, there's still five year mission stories that you'd like to tell. I mean, well I guess Three three years of it uh, on television, so there's still you know from the from those first three seasons. But any other uh, directions you can tell us without spoiling? Yeah, so we're actually going to get uh, the series called Boldly Go and uh, or Star Trek Boldly Go, mm-hmm. and it's going to be set um, pretty soon after the end of the 
of Star Trek Beyond, but it's going to be set. So it's spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Star Trek Beyond yet. Uh, if you want to turn this down, turn it down, <laughs> then uh, I'm back. But uh, at the end of the movie, you see this sort of fast forward of the Enterprise being rebuilt. Um, and that obviously would take more than a year. So what we're doing is we're setting this series sort of just in the, in the weeks and months after we last see Kirk and Bob and Spock looking up at the ship. And this, this series will show what they did and what they were up to while the Enterprise was being constructed. Oh, fantastic. It's going to be a little odd. It's going to be a, a Star Trek series without the Enterprise in it. But that actually has opened up all sorts of interesting story possibilities because, you know, when you're in Starfleet, they don't like their, they don't all just get to go on vacation while they're shipping. <laughs> Starfleet wants to stop for certain working. So, uh, they did assign to different places. So, the first issue will show us catching up with the members of the crew and, and finding out where they are and what they're doing. Some of them are, are hanging out together. And some, of, But, for the most part, they're separated. And then, the story in the first arc is a, is a new threat to the Calvin timeline but it's a pretty iconic trick, Star Trek threat that we're bringing into the Kelvin timeline. And uh, it will bring our beloved characters back into each other's orbits. Uh, if you say any more, Mike, you know. I know, I can't really say any more, <laughs> but I, I, I will just say it's, it's going to be different, a different kind of book. It's going to be the same characters that we love, but we're going to be seeing them um, on new ships and on different worlds. And in a way, we haven't seen them before. So I'm having a lot of fun writing it. I hope people have as much fun reading it. That sounds great. It really I mean, I like, and, and Mike is bringing in like a lot of new characters to this, too, because obviously, you know, we see some of the same faces on the deck or the version of the Enterprise. Um, so when you're on like, different ships, there's going to be different folks around, and I think that kind of brings a new energy um, to it. some humans, some alien, you never know. Who might show up. Oh, that's great. So maybe Kelvin versions of, uh, you know, kind of original series side characters? Maybe. That, that's something that we've played with <laughs> before. Um, and, you know, obviously we're going to concentrate on the, the relationships between main characters because that's so, so much what makes track track. But a big thing, I think, to Mike and I, and obviously the Lord and everyone who works on track, is that. Um, putting these characters in some pretty extreme situations um, and the way they get out of them is, is by coming together as a team. Sure. Um, and sometimes it's, it's a team that, that knows each other. There's, there's new people and, and how does that affect things? Gotcha. Um, and then of course financing their way out of the problem um, all together. So that's probably my favorite thing about Star Trek is those two, the teamwork and the science aspects of it coming together. Very cool. No, that sounds great. I, I look forward to it. That's terrific. I want to know. I missed uh, the uh, the Kelvin Deep Space Nine uh, stuff that you guys did. What issues were those? I'm gonna have to go back and uh, get a get a trade or something like that that covers that stuff. Can't remember the exact issue numbers, but um, I think it's volume nine. Volume nine. It's called the Q Gambit, so it's the Q story. Oh, cool. Um, I want to say it was like 36 to 40 or something. Okay. Well, I'll look, I'll look up Q Gambit. I'm sure it's collected that way, right, Sarah? Yeah. Look up Q Gambit. Yeah. 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 So the, the trade is volume nine. 
Okay. Uh, I think it might be like 39 or something like that. Um, and it's a, what, a six issue, five issue mark uh, involving Q. Uh, yeah. I can't remember. It's, yeah, the universe. Tony did a great amazing job. I think it was Tony's first arc on the book, actually. It was the first major job. arc. Yeah, it's, it's probably, you know, they're all my babies, but it's, it's a really special one to me. Um, I, I think it's something that any Star Trek fan or even someone who's just seen one issue of the movies can pick up. They don't need to know, like, oh, what every issue, what every episode she was in, they, you can just pick it up and still enjoy it. I'm with you. Very cool. Man, I got to tell you, back to John Byrne for a second. Boy, that guy loves Star Trek because, my God, some of his best work, I would say, in the last ten or so years, however long he's been doing these IDW Trek books, I loved Leonard McCoy Frontier Doctor, the Gary Seven yeah, stuff, and and also I don't know, I forget what you guys call it, but the Fumetti taking the actual mm-hmm. the stills from the from the television show and then making new stories. God, those were great. Yeah. What are, what are those books called? What so, was... He called them photo novels. I'm not sure if that's something he came up with or or Chris came up with. Chris Ryle, my boss, edits him on those. Um, and for those of you that might not be familiar with it, he basically goes through, um, you know, high-quality screenshots of uh, the original series show um, and basically creates brand-new stories using those assets. So he might go through and find uh, a Kirk face from an episode in season one um, to get across the emotion that he's trying to look for, but maybe it'll be the body from season two. So he basically, like, Frankenstein's all these things together <laughs> into entirely new stories. Um, and I'll tell you, so when I was working the, the booth at Las Vegas, there were so many people that came up, um, and they weren't even really, like, hardcore comic people, but they loved the hell out of these things. Oh, I'm not surprised. Um, Go on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because a, a lot of people, I guess, too, they were very, uh, of a certain age, um, we're kind of very familiar with the idea of this thing because back in the day, um, you would pick up an adaptation of a movie after you've seen it, kind of in this graphic novel, photo novel format. Yep. Um, so it's kind of a natural extension of that, taking that idea but making entirely new stories out of it. Yeah, I was, again, sadly old enough to remember. Yeah, they would adapt uh, episodes and they were, and they like, were yeah, fully, fully done in that photo novel way. So it does. It really doesn't surprise me. But that's a great way to introduce them to what IDW is doing, and hopefully, you know, oh, yeah. you know, then they'll hopefully pick up a couple of trades and uh, you know, read the enjoy the comics as well. Absolutely, the first one's free, kind of thing, you know. Sure. So that's uh, kind of how I was selling it to people too, and and people, um, the, the Star Trek fans are so loving to what we've what we've been doing, and it's wonderful to get that feedback when we're at conventions. Mike, any uh, any uh, convention uh, experiences that are purely Star Trek that you can uh, relate? Well, I went to my, I mean, I've been a Star Trek fan my whole life, but I actually never went to a purely Star Trek convention until last summer. I went to Las Vegas last year. Cool. Um, and uh, it was it was probably my greatest convention experience uh, ever because there was such a feeling of inclusivity and optimism and. I think a lot of Comic Cons, um, you know, a lot of it's about promotion and merchandise and the selling of things. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, sometimes the reason you're all there, just the love for the comics can get lost in the noise. 
But at the Star Trek convention, everybody there was, it was such, it was more of a celebration than a marketplace. I mean, yeah, you could buy whatever triple trinket you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really about just celebrating the franchise show. I, uh, I couldn't go to Vegas this year. I was on a top secret away mission. I can't <laughs> talk about it yet, but, um, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to going to New York this week because, uh, for that same reason, that, that feeling of celebrating track and for, for no better, you know, no better time to do it than in the 50th anniversary. So I'm hoping to go. I want to check out the Starfleet Academy experience at the Intrepid. Yeah. Um, go on there and, and just, uh, yeah, just soak up all the, all the good Trek vibes. Did you guys ever get a chance while it was going on in Vegas to go to, uh, the, the Star Trek stuff at the uh, Las Vegas Hilton while it was there? Absolutely. Atta girl. Uh, one of my first, one of my first uh, Wildstorm Christmas parties was at Quark's Bar in Las Vegas. Fantastic. So, um, definitely a good memory. Excellent. I used to, I used to go as well. I worked at a sports radio station, so I would, and I covered boxing, so that that took me to Vegas all the time. And I would always make a point on Sunday afternoon before my flight back to go and, <laughs> and have a have a meal and a drink at uh, at Quark's before I uh, I went back to the uh, airport and flew back home. And yeah, yeah what a trip. Hell yes, absolutely. Man. Yep. <laughs> Rocked out of my mind in Quark's bar and it's like, all right, this yep. is pretty cool and it it felt authentic. It was pretty fun. It sure did. That's awesome. Oh man, yeah, and I, so yeah, this academy experience that's uh how far from Manhattan is that? Is it in Manhattan? I'm not yeah, sure. it's just on the it's at the Intrepid, the USS Intrepid, which Oh yes. If I got my geography right, is on the west side of Manhattan. Yes, yes, forgive me. I forgot. Yeah, it's on it's it's on or near the aircraft carrier, right? Yeah, where Will Smith hit the golf ball so. up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I just go out of New York thinking about high legends. That's how I am. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh my god! So Sarah, like, have you have you guys met any of the uh, the you know either, any cast members from any Star Trek iteration? Uh, when I was in Vegas, I made a point to meet Michelle Nichols because she's such an incredible inspiration to me. Um, and I got my picture taken, and it was very special. And I kept it together, and I did not die. Uh, so I was very proud of myself. That's very cool. Um, and. Also at Vegas, uh, Walter Koenig stopped by the booth and we were able to show him um, some of the comics that he was in and gave him a couple copies. So uh, those are my, my two most recent and they were really, really special. Um, and like Michael's saying, the, the vibe at Star Trek conventions are so different than a normal comic book convention. So I'll be at the table and I'll see, you know, Q walk by or Data or whoever and it's just, the amazing feeling of like, yay, we're all in this together, high fives. Hell yeah. Looking to this week for sure. <laughs> Mike, have you met anyone? I have. I actually worked on a movie back in my, my Hollywood Minion days. I worked on a movie called The Master of Disguise that Dana Carvey was in. Certainly. Star. It was a goofy little comedy. <laughs> Brent Spiner was the bad guy in the movie. <laughs> I so, forgot about that. Go on. I hang out with Brent a little bit, and this was right before he was going off to shoot Nemesis. Or, oh, wow. I think, yeah, he was going off to shoot Nemesis. So he was just really excited and sort of giving us little hints about what was going to happen in Nemesis, and uh, 
because, you know, he was involved with the story for that. And uh, it was great. He was hilarious. He was very cool. And other than that, I did get to, uh, since my bosses were, were writing and producing the movie, I got to run around the set in 2009 and sit in the captain's chair. So that was Wow. Yeah, I bet. Very cool. Wow, that's really great about Spiner, though. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was fun. That's fantastic. You know, I have to ask you, when you mentioned Walter Koenig, um, will we still see uh, Anton Yelchin's uh, checkoff in the in the comics moving forward? Uh, you'll definitely see him in issue number one of Boldly Go. Um, we're not... We're not entirely sure what to do, to be quite sure. honest. Um, we want to be respectful. Um, we want to be respectful to the family and, and everyone that's grieving. Um, so we talked about it, you know, should he be there at all? And, and it felt worse to leave him out at all. Um, so you'll definitely see him in issue number one. I, I don't think he's going anywhere in, in the comic universe. Um, and we'll just kind of see how it goes. I understand. And, um, well, you know, I that's... It, it, you know, I, I felt this way too back in uh, at, with Star Trek Generations, and I, I do understand uh, it, those circumstances why they decided to kill off Kirk. And certainly with Nimoy's death, it was a nice tribute in the film. But by the same token, it is it is too bad because you know these these characters are mythic and they really should never die. You know. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Anton was, I thought he was so good and beyond and. Yeah, was really coming into his own. Um, and I think it's, it's different and it's harder when it's someone young and it's just like a horrible freak accident. So we'll just kind of see how it goes um, and just try and take some time and, and digest it all and see what's right. I understand. No, I get it. Um, no, honestly, I, I I envy you guys. I think I think there it's it's got to be a lot of fun to have you know only think about Star Trek and that's that's work. I mean that's. It, 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 I don't know. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure there is still work, and there's deadlines, and I'm sure it gets tough at times. But uh, pretty nice way to uh, to spend a day thinking about uh, other Star Trek stories. Yeah, well, yeah I, I, try to, I try to slap myself across the face at least once a week. Whenever I get like, oh, it's so much work to do. I don't know how to figure out this story. You know. And Sarah, yeah, you've already I said. Slap that. yourself. I slap you. You <laughs> slap me. Yeah, slap yeah. No, it's the best. It's the greatest. Oh, I, I try to be. I try to be thankful for it every day. And tell me about the the Green Lantern crossover, because uh, I I I appreciate. I loved uh, the Planet of the Apes crossover, but the Green Lantern one I thought was a a very interesting choice. Yeah. So uh, we had Volume One come out last year. Was it last year or this year? So uh, I, I think, think it was. It, Last year, yeah. Yeah. Just last year. I wasn't sure if it leaked into this year. So we have volume two coming out at the end of this year, which picks up where the last volume left off. And luckily, like, IDW and DC have been great and, and, and work really well together and, and been open to continuing the story. Uh, so it's not just like a one-off crossover where, oh, that was funny, that was cute, and you never see it again. Now we actually get to show the fallout from what happened with both the Lanterns and the Starfleet crew and throw them into an even bigger uh, mess this time. So it's sort of this new thing of like a, like a series of crossovers. So knock on wood, we'll get to volume three because I have a really cool idea I want to do, but that hasn't been proved yet. But I'm getting ahead of myself, and we're just feeling like we're literally working on uh, 
on volume uh, two right now. Very cool. You know, I I, I remember. The support of volume one was like crazy. So, um, and the way that Mike uh, handled it and the wonderful artist on Hell Hernandez, it's almost yeah. like they've created um, an alternate universe um, where there are now lanterns in Starfleet. Um, so, what lessons <laughs> with that? Um, so, yes, that starts in December of this year. That's fantastic. No, I uh, I remember too uh, in the novels the uh, X Men Next Generation crossover. I thought that was pretty oh, cool. Yeah. So, man, are you guys any uh, yeah, any any chance you guys can uh, talk to Marvel and uh, make that happen as well? I love the DC stuff. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'll well, never say never. It's nice, like the the Star Trek licensors, um, like we said, they're so great and so supportive. Um, but they're also maybe out of that that. It's fun to cross things over and it's fun to mash things up, but at the end of the day, there has to actually be authority, <laughs> um, independent of just, it, wouldn't it be cool if um, that's just the beginning of the story? It really needs to go somewhere and have some, some sort of deeper meaning than that. Um, Although I say, if I was going to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. They definitely push us uh, in a great way, so we're very lucky in that respect, too. If I was going to do... Like, for my last Star Trek story, I do think Star Trek Silver Surfer would be great to make me Galactus, and I can just go out on a high note. Wow. I can only imagine exactly what does the Enterprise do when they face Galactus. That's very good, man. Right? Like, that would be it for me. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I like I got, I got my Star Trek done. Poor Galactus wouldn't win. Bach would out. Outthink Galactus. <laughs> I got friends in Marvel. Don't worry. We'll, 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 we'll talk to them. I think this is a good idea. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's great. Well, you know, you're right, though, but you think of, like, that kind of sci-fi that Kirby was cooking up at the, you know, at the end of the 60s and the beginning oh, of yeah. the 70s. And I wonder, you know, um, because the next era of sci-fi after Star Trek really has its own kind of style and aesthetic. And it would be fun to see those kinds of ideas mashed up with Star Trek. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there, I mean, got, got Space 1999, all that. You know, it's it, it looked hokey then, but now you go back and look at it, and to me it looks like 70s paperback novels come to life. Yeah, and I think Star Trek has a natural ability to tell a lot of different types of stories. I mean, mm-hmm. goodness knows, you watch the original characters, and there are some goofy episodes. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. And Wolf in the Fold, like, they really tried to do Jack the Ripper. You know, it's incredible. But, but then there's very hard sci-fi episodes of the show so I think I think it's a even though it sounded crazy sort of Green Lantern and Star Trek they actually fit together I, I found it not easy but 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 I found that they just fit together well um, it felt like yeah these two could meet eventually I agree Planet of the yeah. Apes worked I, I think the, I think the Legion yeah. of Superheroes worked I think Planet of the Apes worked yeah that was great yeah 
No, I agree with you. And I, yeah, I think, I, I do think that Star Trek allowed itself to kind of visit different universes and experience different forms of sci-fi. And yeah, no, I'm totally with you, man. So, uh, no, good job. Keep keep doing the great stuff, guys. Honestly, I really do. Thank you. It, absolutely. And it's a, no, I'm, I've been meaning to have this conversation with uh, <laughs> reps like yourself from IDW for a long time because I really think, uh, like a lot of the franchises that IDW runs and stuff, you guys do a great job. And especially with the Star Trek stuff, it feels like Star Trek. And that's that's the really cool thing. Huh. So, yeah, really, it's it's yeah. called, what's it called? Wait, is it Waypoint? Is that the new one? Uh, the anthology series. Right. Boldly Go is the new ongoing series. Right. That's Mike's. Yeah, Mike's Kelvin is Boldly Go, and and Wave Point is the anthology series. No, I'm really excited. I I'm a I'm a hardcore fan of the novels when they come up. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to some uh, Christopher Pike stories in uh, there, and actually gotta get some more Robert April stories in there, man. Yeah. yeah, you know. Well, okay, well, you know, if you're telling the novels, um, Dayton Warren and Kevin Jamala are writing a story in number two of Waypoint. Um, but, well, it's basically a gold key homage. So, frankly, they're having too much fun with it. Um, and the artist is Gordon Purcell, and I've just started getting the pages, and they look amazing. That's fantastic. Gordon's a, Gordon's a hell of a Star Trek artist as well. I'm glad you mentioned Gordon, because, yeah, he uh-huh. never gets his yeah, due, and I think... a great way to also kind of honor the people that have worked on it before. I just really wanted to be kind of like looking forward while honoring the past at the same time. That's excellent. Well, good luck uh, this weekend and at uh, the New York uh, Trek Convention. Will you guys be coming back in October uh, for the regular New York Comic Con or no? I think I will. IDW definitely I think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm not in stone yet, but I'm planning. Okay, well, I, I hopefully I'll see you guys then and uh, get to meet you face to face. But uh, truly, congrats! Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Congratulations and uh, continued success with the franchise. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, being on the on the journey with you guys. So uh, keep it up. Oh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, John. Take care. Okay, ever since the conversation, now I've been thinking about how great it will be if Mike Johnson gets to write a Marvel cosmic crossover with Star Trek. Can you imagine the possibilities? The Guardians of the Galaxy showing up, the Eternals, uh, oh my God. Uh, you know, just the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I mean, it, it would just be insane. And of course, the 3D chess match between Galactus and Mr. Spock. Why not? I am so for it. Make it happen, Marvel. Uh, great talk with uh, Sarah Gatos and Mike Johnson. Really enjoyed talking to them. I hope to talk to them sooner than later in the future. I will see them in October at New York Comic Con. I am 90% certain I'm going. Just the smallest chance I won't be going. So uh, hopefully I will see you there. I have missed the last two uh, Javits Center experiences. And part of me doesn't mind that. But uh, last year it was radio problems. Two years ago I had surgery, and it was just too close after having that surgery to uh, to immediately like rush to New York. I, I wasn't really up to it physically. But uh, I am back, and I miss New York, and I would really love to see everybody there, both fans and also uh, the amazing creators that live around New York, uh, the old-timers and the current uh, crop as well. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping to make that happen and hope to see you there if you're going to New York Comic Con. And I know that uh, IDW and Star Trek will be there. So uh, I hope uh, to see Sarah and Mike face-to-face and thank them for the great talk. And, uh, yeah, look, uh, looking forward to talking to them, to them again in the future because uh, I'm really psyched for IDW Star Trek products. That's no lie, folks. Uh, as I always like to say, 
If if I uh, if you hear somebody on Word Balloon, that means I like it. If you don't hear your favorite comic book represented on Word Balloon, two things are happening. Either I haven't gotten to those people yet, or frankly, not crazy about the book. That's what I do instead of reviews. I, I just kind of talk to the people I like. And maybe it sounds too much like a positive love fest. You know, how many great comic books are out there right now? How many times do you go to the store, and certainly at the prices that everything's at, and really have to make choices of, I'm going to follow this run, maybe I'll catch that run in trades. Uh, we're embarrassed with how many great comic books are out there. Why spend any time on, on books that suck? Why spend any time talking to creators that you don't like? So that's why uh, it's always a positive uh, experience here at Word Balloon. I, I think there's more to talk about other than, your book sucks and let me tell you why, and, and who would show up to, uh, for that kind of conversation. So instead we get great talks about the cool books and the fun books, which is what I try to provide here each week and every, every now and then more than uh, once a week here on Word Balloon. Man, I am telling you, the docket is full, the dance card is full, as my uh, old sportscaster buddy Chet Kopic would say. Uh, so many people that I have committed to uh, having conversations with before Cincy Comic Con, after Cincy Comic Con, we're going to have a ton of panels that I'll be doing there and presenting on Word Balloon, in addition to uh, already arranged conversations in September with uh, favorites coming back, newcomers as well, new subjects as well. It's a busy geek world out there. Uh, man, I'll tell you, I, can you want to preview some names? that have already been committed. Guys like Rick Remender, our buddy Joe Henderson, who's the showrunner of Lucifer on Fox. What a nice surprise that is, that that's another great comic book television show and that it's coming back for season two. So it'll be great to pick Joe's brain. Hopefully Loeb will have time in the weeks ahead, probably closer to uh, October time. But uh, he is on the docket. Bendis is supposed to come back soon. I know we've been uh, promising that pretty much all year. But, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, Family plans and various things conspire against us. Really sorry to hear that uh, Power Season 2 is going to be the last season, uh, at least for now, of Power. So, you know, it may, it, I suppose it may come back, but probably not. But the good news is, of course, Brian has got Scarlet uh, brewing over at Cinemax and HBO, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, lots of great conversation in the weeks and days ahead. Today's Word Balloon brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Uh, not only a great Star Trek product, but uh, you get things like from Brian Bendis, the Invincible Iron Man uh, Premier Hardcover Volume 2, War Machines, 50% off, just $12.49. Jessica Dr Jones, Avenger, the trade paperback is 50% off, $9.99. Those are two Bendis books. How about Superman, Lois and Clark, the prequel to uh, the current run of Superman Rebirth, your pre-Flashpoint original Earth-1, that's the real guy, Superman. The real Lois Lane, the two that actually got married, the two that actually had a baby, John Kent, the, uh, or John, is he John Clark? I can't remember what his name is, but his real name is John Kent. Let's not kid ourselves. The, the new boy of steel, who is uh, just kicking ass in uh, Dan Jurgens and Pete Damasi's books. Well, this is Dan Jurgens and Lee Weeks, and it was a great eight-issue series as I said, the best Superman book out there uh, in the pre-rebirth uh, Superman universe. 50% uh, off, it's just $8.99. Uh, the whole story of what happened after uh, Lois and Clark uh, come to uh, the uh, post-convergence Earth of uh, DC and uh, their secret struggles to uh, keep their secret existence and also take care of their kid whose powers are suddenly starting to manifest. Tremendous book. How about uh, He-Man and She-Ra? The Complete Guide 
uh, to their classic animated adventures, all the wonderful adventures of filmation. Uh, a great book. It's from Dark Horse. James Etock is the uh, writer. And uh, the book is 45% off, $21.99. Kind of a companion piece to the Tim and Steve Seeley He-Man book from a year or two ago. There's Batgirl Volume 3, Mindfolds. That's uh, Cameron Stewart and uh, Brendan Fletcher and uh, Babstar. Great stuff. Uh, This uh, book is 42% off, $9.85. Uh, just some of the great deals that are happening at InStockTrades.com. Don't forget, your orders are fifty percent, or, or uh, if your orders are fifty dollars or more, you'll receive free shipping. It's a great value, great books, great prices. InStockTrades.com. Uh, one show note before I say goodbye: had Maria on a couple days ago, and uh, accidentally uh, said that Cameron Stewart was the co-editor of uh, the Island Anthology that comes out with Image that Emma actually co-edits with Brandon Graham. Another fine Canadian. Massive apologies, Brandon. And it took a couple days to fix uh, the blog post uh, when Emma immediately uh, identified uh, the mistake. There's a time gap because Emma's in Spain. So it took a few hours to re-edit my intro and properly credit Brandon on the podcast. But I did take care of that. However, a couple thousand downloads had happened already. So uh, apologies for the mistake to Brandon and uh, I meant no disrespect. I sometimes do this stuff, uh, I, uh, you know, at the at the end of the night or the beginning of the morning, where my brain is uh, less than completely clear. And sometimes I have a brain fart, and I did that on that episode. So uh, uh, huge apologies to uh, both Emma and uh, Brandon. And I'm glad that I have uh, fixed that mistake. And uh, both were very cool and gracious, and I, I thank them for that. Uh, a great book, certainly worth your attention. And a great conversation with Emma if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. Now with a corrected introduction, uh, but uh, that didn't change. You know, Emma certainly ha- had her facts right. So that was a wonderful conversation. More great stuff coming up next week even. Uh, right after Labor Day, expect a new uh, episode of Word Balloon. And uh, who knows what uh, this Labor Day weekend might ha- you know involve. Because as I said, I've got uh, commitments at least, uh, you know, uh, intent to talk soon. And one or two conversations may actually happen this Labor Day weekend. Have a great time. Be safe. Enjoy yourself uh, as we uh, head into these last weeks of summer. Enjoy the weather. I know football is back. Uh, don't don't waste a, a good day outside uh, sitting inside watching football. I love football, too. But I, I'm a big believer in uh, football in October. I hate September football. So I don't mind that it's back, but I just wish, you know, it's like let's, let's get to like, cooler weather. At least, you know, jacket weather before we're talking about football. You know what I mean? I think you do. So have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2016.